We have not anticipated fans taking the entire can and upending it. Guys, I'm going to make you set down your teacups and take your pinky fingers and put them back into the fist that they need to be in because this has gotten far too cordial. My plan is to cry a lot and then, no, I'm actually going to do well. Who am I kidding? I'm great. Thankfully, the Red Bulls decided to score some points. I personally am not trying to be a homer or anything, but uh, Joe Rallis. Portland shouldn't be on the playoffs this year because they can't get their act together. 11 mils sitting on your bench, just sitting there when you could invest it into any other position. Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the MLS Fantasy Insider Podcast, our review of round 21 and preview of Double Game Week 22. This episode is brought to you by Fabian Castillo. Uh, no, it's not. Yes, yes, no, no, wait, yes, no, no, wait, no. Actually, it's brought to you by MLSFantasyBoss.com and the wonderful community of r slash fantasy MLS at Reddit. I'm your host, Reed Connolly, from MLSFantasyBoss.com, and tonight I am joined by Michael Denton, a.k.a. at MLS Injury News, and a contributor at Hudson River Blues blog, and then Blaine Riffle from also MLS Fantasy Boss as a contributor for us and a writer from Last Word on Sports. Is that everything? Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I know it changes some. You're, you guys are both like fantasy contributor extraordinaires, for, for the community. So, uh, well, what's up? What's up, guys? Not too much. How you doing, Reed? Doing well. Doing well. If you guys are following Twitter before this show was recorded, you might have seen that we had some technical difficulties, so I'm glad that that is over. So we can get this show on the road. Uh, you may be wondering where some of our regulars are. Simon is once again gallivanting across the world. Uh, he does things like that from time to time for some reason. So uh, we're doing our alternate recording method tonight, and then Mr. Guy Sanchez is having himself a date night with his wife. Uh, Jason is having a date night with his son, and Travis's wife got into a car accident recently. She's okay. Send your well wishes to Travis. It's all fine. He's just playing chauffeur for a while. So uh, they're off. They I hope to come get some chalkboard picks from them, but we've got Mike and Blaine with you, excellent fantasy minds as well, so no loss of quality tonight. So guys, let's just move right on, our review of round 21. Uh, first of all, what'd you think of the round, and then what were some of the surprises that you had? I thought the round played out kind of how I thought it was, except for the, the game I think we'll talk about. Um, I wasn't expecting a big round. Most of the best fantasy guys didn't have great matchups. So I banked a transfer and just kind of sat this one out, and I was generally happy with that. Um, most of them were kind of low scoring, not many clean sheets from any of your um, expected um, players to get to get clean sheets. Uh, I mean, I ended up getting red arrows because I didn't have Molino, um, and I had a zero, so... But other than that, I think it played out the way everyone thought it was, which is going to be a generally low-scoring round, except for Giovinco and you captain Giovinco, and that's like half your team. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of in the same boat. This round was rough. A lot of a lot of red arrows for me as well. Head-to-head -head was about the only saving grace this week. Um, two kind of unexpected players, two big differential picks just showed up. And if you had either Molino or uh, Lampard, you did really well. If you, if you didn't have one of those two, you are probably 60s, just above average. And just, it was a it was a rough week. I think a lot of the top players lost ground. I mean, the the heavy heavy ownership players just didn't perform, besides Giovinco. And if you didn't captain Giovinco, you missed out. Yes, uh, I definitely agree with you guys, and we will talk about Lampard. I believe you mean the New York City game in general, Mike, uh, so we will definitely highlight that yeah. in a couple of minutes. Uh, I agree. I even said in my article at MLS this past week for, with picks that uh, I wasn't really impressed with a lot of the lineups. A lot of the best home teams were away this round, and a lot of the best away teams were home as far as offense and defense goes. And so it was just kind of a frustrating week to find out what would happen. There were a few potentials. Um, Molino was a guy who was on my radar, but I, I brought in Piotti. <laughs> that did not work out so well for me. I was really hoping that um, 
they'd uh, be able to do some stuff with DC. But Hamid did come back. I, I thought he might be out another game with his hand injuries, so that definitely hurt that. Uh, but I did. I was a few points off from swapping Molino for Madranda, um, and that just didn't didn't print out for me. But I did have Gio as my captain, and. Uh, it was okay. I had a mix of red and green arrows. I got 72 points. The average was 52. I thought that was a pretty good score, and I went down in the overall ranks, and I I was just furious when I saw that. I was like, oh, my gosh, I told Mike before we started, what do I have to do to gain some ground this year? And the answer is just simple, do better. So uh, it's been kind of frustrating, but that's sort of what we expected from this round. But let's not delay it anymore. The New York City game, for me, definitely the biggest surprise of the round. Uh, followed very closely by Drogba's red card, but mm, I can't get that. But yeah, New York City FC just had a rout of the Colorado defense. So, Mike, you are our resident New York City fan. I will allow you the floor. I was as stunned as anyone. I was expecting a low-scoring game. I, honestly, going in, I was going to be happy with a nil-nil draw. And then all of a sudden, you just turn it on, and they're getting chance after chance. I mean, even before the red card, New York City was the better team. Um, I mean, and I was surprised that Pirlo played, you know, after playing Thursday night in the All-Star game, that having to leave mid-match you know, to fly back, to, to, to make it to New York for the, the mid-afternoon the game against Colorado. I was not expecting New York City to do much, but it, it just shows how good Jack Harrison is. I think that's, even with David Villa, he can create chances, and that's where Colorado had no answer. Um, Pirlo could get the ball to Harrison, and Harrison would just, with his technical ability, confuse them and get get into open space and whether it's getting to McNamara and just getting them out of sorts. Um, it, it was incre- it was a lot of fun to watch. I just wasn't expecting it at all. Um, Would you come away with Blaine just from looking at the scores? Yeah, I actually didn't get to, yeah. I was actually on vacation last week and this was the one game I missed. Um New York City has been building towards being a complete team for quite a while and I don't know whether you can pin that on the absence of Via and the dynamic change that that makes, or just Frank Lampard coming on strong. How, I don't, Mike. How many games has he played so far this year? Um, he joined. Six. Yeah, because he joined like mid-May. I think is when yeah. he finally started. Stopped. stopped yeah. Injured. Eight goals in under ten games. Third on the team in shots, or I think fourth. No, fourth on the team in shots. Just. He's adding another level to this team that we haven't seen with New York City yet. And if they keep this going, they're going to be the team to beat in the East going into the playoffs. And before we get any corrections, he has eight games where he's played for more than 60 minutes. So we're not going to count those few little dinky ones at the, <laughs> when he yeah. first came back. I mean, eight yeah. goals in that time is just incredible. Yeah, I mean, New York City's defense is still pretty bad. I, I think ex- by expected goals, they're the fifth worst defense in the league. Um, they've given up the most goals, but they've also played more games than anyone. Um, and I think that 7-0 route to the Red Bulls kind of skews that statistic. But, I mean, the defense is below average, but you can get away with a below average defense when you're coming at people with McNamara, Villa, Pirlo, Lampard, Harrison. But most MLS defenses, you know, that's where MLS teams tend to skip, and this year the defenses have been, outside of Los Angeles and Colorado, have been pretty poor. That's where teams try to save money. Teams don't have the defensive firepower to take to handle all of those options, and unless unless you're the New York Red Bulls, but and you can press, but with that unless, offense, most teams are going to give up to New York City, especially when New York City gets the lead, and they can kind of sit back and then counter with Jack Harrison's speed on, on the right. And let's talk a little bit more about the Colorado defense. By far, I do not think anyone needs to start even entertaining the idea of is it time to jump ship on Colorado. I, I think that this was probably a clear-cut incidence of, one, the, the card definitely heard. That was a stupid challenge from Azira, who, by the way, the first minus two, the, the per, first time he's gotten like under three points and it's a minus two uh, in the whole season, 
stupid challenge coming back in after the rain delay. The rain one. I mean, it's always snowing in Colorado. They're not. We're not playing like this. But coming in after going so long without a loss has to sort of build your confidence. And maybe they're like, ah, New York. They're they're missing Via. We don't have to worry too much about this. The field's kind of weird. This this is fine. We can just bunker up and be good. And it just didn't pan out. So maybe there was some overconfidence coming in that got popped. But as Mike and I were talking about before the show, and I hope we do so a little bit more now for everyone else, I heard the announcers at one point comment about just Howard's defense and how much he's done since he's coming to this team. And, and just as an afterthought, one of them said, I guess maybe some credit should go to... Um, McMath, but I, I reacted at the television saying, what are you talking about? Pretty much all of it should go to him. This this is just, it's, it's unfair, I think, that comment, because he did so much. Perhaps the question comes down to, um, could this score have been better with McMath in the goal? Absolutely. Uh, go If you go for a baseball metaphor... You don't pull your starting ace in the middle of a complete game. You don't you don't change a, a hot goalkeeper in the middle of the season just for a big name. This is McMath's defense. They played well under him. He's the general in the back. Because, I mean, it's young guys back there. And you give them a goalkeeper who really hasn't played much over the last six to nine months, you're asking for trouble. I mean, if Colorado doesn't compete for the shield... I'll blame that. I'll blame that one move. And if they don't make, the, if they fall way too far down the playoff standings, I think you got to blame the front office and the manager for putting Howard in. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't understand. I guess Colorado is just trying to look to make some move, get some people in the seats, because I mean that that stadium's been largely empty for for a while. But I, I don't understand why no one has picked up Zach Matt. I mean. Even New York City could have used, <laughs> uh, you know. And I, I was hoping that they were going to trade Mullins um, for Zach Math. Seemed to me a move would make sense, but you know, Mullins ended up going to DC. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I, Zach Math has been underappreciated pretty much everywhere he's gone. I don't really understand it. Uh, I mean, Timmy Howard's made some good saves for him. But, yeah, the defense was disorganized. I mean, New York City should not have been getting those kinds of chances with Tony Taylor as the tip of this forward spear. You know, um, I think Colorado's got to hopefully, you know, for them, solidify and kind of get more communication because, you know, they, they go to Los Angeles in a few weeks and uh, Robbie Keane will do the same thing to them. <laughs> they don't fix the problems. It's definitely definitely rough times for them, but don't don't jump ship just yet. Um, but I'm interested in seeing how all of this plays out, and if if Howard keeps that spot, I think McMath, maybe they keep McMath to just try to have him as the backup in case of injury or or call ups. But I would hope McMath gets someplace where he can get starting time because he is worth it. I think. Uh, would you guys make that your biggest surprise of the round, or do you have something else that you think tops that? No. Yeah, that's really a big surprise. Um, Orlando showing back up was the other surprise, but I, I'll give it to New York with the five goals. England's defense hasn't been so great. Uh, some people might also put question not doing so well or, New, or Chicago doing as well as it did against New York. If you go back through the stats, Chicago's home defense has not been all that shabby. They did give up a couple of goals here, but uh, New York... Red Bulls did not do fantastic against them in the past when they met them this season, and they came out with a 2-2 draw this time. I wasn't super surprised, so I didn't feel pressure to bring in question this time. So I would I would rank that maybe the three surprises that I would have. Yeah. Orlando, yeah, Molino coming out yeah. there, but he is... That's, that's where that offense is coming. Uh, but New York, Orlando, and Red Bulls versus Chicago, that's beat. I'll throw in um, Sporting Kansas City only getting one goal against Portland. With all the <laughs> Especially both of Portland's um, CBs. I was expecting that. No to doubt, yeah. I was kind of like, come on, Larry, come on. You know, you know, I didn't have Fellhaber, but I was expecting him to do well. And just kind of, one nil. Okay. <laughs> lots, of, lots of strangeness. So, guys, before we move on, any general fantasy takeaways you have from this round going forward? Um, 
with this season, differentials really do matter. Grabbing those one or two different players from the pack can make or break you the rest of the the rest of the way. Uh, look at the guys who picked up Molino and Lampard, two guys that were kind of fringe players on the radar, not ideal targets for the transfer window, and they came back to burn you big bad. I mean, I had what 68 points this round and dropped 60 spots in the overall standings. It was a rough round. It was a rough round, people. And I will say, we have been talking about Lampard since the second half of this season started. Have not been mentioning Molino as much, though we have pointed him out, but we have been mentioning Lampard often. I think you can attest to that, Mike. Yeah. As far as um, my takeaway, uh, it's kind of both this round and the last round. Philadelphia is in trouble. They're, they're having some real trouble, and that's that's one of the few teams that doesn't have a buy in either 25 or 27. So I'll be kind of looking to pick them up. I think now I might be holding off on them. Uh, I mean, you know, losing at home to RSL, and I don't think they were all that competitive. That's that's troublesome. Okay, so moving on to our housekeeping time. So this is, as I said, a double game week, and as always, we like to point out to you which teams those are. So if you've been living under a rock, round 22, we have Real Salt Lake and Toronto FC playing a double game week. We also have the Columbus Crew and FC Dallas on a buy. So we've been talking about that past couple of weeks, about maybe purging your roster of some players. If you have not done it, you need to do it now. And since it is a double game week, perhaps you could get away with a minus four. But that is who we're looking at. Toronto and RSL with a double game week. Columbus and Dallas with a buy. Now, Mike, I turn it over to you once again with the injury report. Okay. Um, well, we'll start with um, the double game week teams again. Uh, Europe, Eura had a hip flexor. Um, it kept him out of the match against Philadelphia, but I think he traveled with the team, so he's questionable for uh, the match against Toronto. Uh, I guess we'll have to look at the lineups to see if he makes it. Uh, I saw some questions on Reddit about the Toronto guys. Uh, pretty much the same deal as last week. Irwin might come back after the DGW, um, but Bradley and uh, Will Johnson are, are going to be out until, I think, the end of August at the earliest, based on the reports. Um, Sheru missed the last match with a, quote, slight, unquote, hamstring strain. Um, I think any time we have a hamstring issue, we kind of assume he's going to miss some time. To other non-DGW teams, uh, Castillo... Uh, Y'all probably followed the transfer saga. Right now, he's coming back to Dallas, but check on that day-to-day. Mana for New York City has a hamstring issue. He's questionable. Botarita has an ankle issue. He's questionable. Um, Dax McCarty for the red side of New York. He is out four to six weeks with a tibia fracture. Uh, Luis Robles suffered a thigh injury during the match. Now, he played through it. He didn't have to go out, but you know, he picked up a thigh injury. Amelia um, missed the match with back spasms. No timetable given. Harvey for Vancouver had an MCL sprain. No timetable given. Valentin for uh, Portland left with an injury. Zardes missed the match uh, against Seattle with a chest muscle strain that he picked up in training. Uh, and as far as discipline goes... Azira got a red card. He's suspended. Uh, Alex for Houston is suspended for yellow card accumulation. Pedranda for Sporting Kansas City, suspended for yellow card accumulation. Drogba picked up a dumb red card, so he's suspended. <laughs> and uh, Hoyberry and Polster, I believe, have earned the good behavior incentive, so they are no longer on uh, warning for yellow card. And um, I'll wait until... The discipline page updates, but I don't know of anyone who got on to Warring this week. But I'll tweet that out at MLS Injury News to let y'all know who picked up yellows and who's in in danger. Um, Oh, and last but not least, some people who came back. Uh, Hamid played after the hand hand injury. We mentioned that. Rudy played and scored after his concussion injury. Uh, I'm pretty sure Ridgewell is coming back. I think he would have been fine for the Sporting Kansas City match, but he got suspended for missing the All-Star game. And <clears throat> something to keep in mind, this week starts CONCACAF Champions League. Portland, Vancouver, Red Bulls, and Dallas all have matches this week. So some of those are going to be midweek matches, so pay attention to lineups, and I'll tweet if there's any injuries there, but there are some matches 
not in the MLS schedule. Excellent. Job as always, Mike. I hope everyone appreciates all the work that Mike does to get these injury reports together for us every week. If you are not following at MLS Injury News, you should be. You really should be. Uh, and if you are, good. Tell other people to do it as well. If you are listening and you think maybe you are going to have some trouble going back through the Twitter feed to find out all these updates, Mike always has a compilation of all of his injury news for that round at MLS Fantasy Boss around uh, the game time. So check that out. Very well done, Mike. Applause. Thank you. And, and thanks to everyone who tweets at me and lets me know, hey, this guy just left. Looks like he picked up a knock because obviously I can't watch every match. So all the information y'all can send me, I, I really appreciate it. You know, because that help. the more information I have, the more information I can pass on to the community and the, the more knowledgeable that we all are. So thank you. Thanks to y'all for sending me all the information that I can then send back out. And then finally, before we move on to our questions, I always have to plug our Patreon site that we have for the MLS Fantasy Insider Podcast. If you're not familiar with it, if you're new to the show, uh, Patreon is like a crowdfunding site, kind of like a Kickstarter in a way, but it's just for people who create content. So in our case, that's podcast. Uh, we do have some overhead that we incur during the year, paying for our SoundCloud hosting, and we're trying to get some prizes involved with this. So what you're able to do as a listener is you can give us some money, and every month you can choose to send some money to everyone here that's involved with MLS Fantasy Insider, and we can use that to help cover the costs that we have and reinvest back into the show just to help make it better. Uh, Mike's a contributor, and he can let you know that recently he got a special surprise in the mail. Yeah, I got my own, very own MLSFI sticker. Put it on my iPad. It's very snazzy. Would definitely recommend. I see some people put it on their trucks. Uh, right. Nice sticker. Looks good. Good reward. And if you are at Red Bulls Arena, you may see one around soon because uh, Tim, another friend of the show from Soccer Captains, said he was going to slap one up there. So I actually sent him two so he could have one for himself and one for the arena. So keep a lookout for that. But that's what we do. If you're willing to give us $3 a month, we'll send you a sticker. If you're willing to give us some more, I'm working on getting pint glasses, just trying to find a good site to, to make those for us. But it, it's, it all goes back into the show. We're hoping to get our own website. We're going to be, I think we're going to have enough money this season where we can throw in some prizes to the winners winners of our classic league. But that's what we do. If, if you like the show and you feel like you'd like to give us some contributions to help just make it better, we would appreciate it so much. Um, I love you anyway for listening. Simon and Jason aren't here tonight. They might not love you, but they're not here, so it doesn't matter. I, I'm so thankful for all of you guys who listen to our show and gals who listen to our show every week, and it's just uh, so much fun for us, and I'm, and I'm glad it's going over. If you ever have any suggestions, let us know. Um, we have some fun time doing it as well. So that's patreon.com slash M-L-S-F-I, P-A-T-E-R-O-N dot com slash MLSFI. Thanks. Okay. Questions. I think that's what most people have come here for. Uh, some pretty good ones, I think, this time. A nice a nice little collection that covers some old stuff and new stuff, so no matter what your skill level is right now, I think you're going to find some of these helpful. Uh, kicking it off with keepers and defenders, the first one is, uh, is Glad likely to pay, play with the double game week, or is he benched now that Olave is back? Mike, what do you think? Uh, this is one where I wish Jason was here to ask, <laughs> so we could ask him. I, I think if I, if I'm planning it, I, I'm thinking he's getting rotated with Olave. Um, it seems I know there's some question of whether or not he uh, was rested because he played in the homegrown match uh, Wednesday in San Jose. Um, but it seems like even before uh, Olave got hurt, they were on kind of a rotation schedule. So. I'm guessing he'll see some time, but I, I don't know if he's going to see 60 minutes both matches. Uh, so I, I would wait. If, if you have him, I guess, hold on to him and wait to see that lineup. But I think it's kind of up in the air right now. Yeah, Glad's one of those players that I've been looking at for playtime analysis off and on for quite a while now, just wondering when Olave is going to come back and if he's going to keep playing. And I thought for a while he'd lock down the role, but he's had a couple mistakes lately and just hasn't had the same showings. And I know he's young, but 
RSL needs to win now, and I think Olave is probably the better option if Glad's going to keep up the same performances he's been putting up lately. So I'm going to echo what Mike said and wait for that lineup on Wednesday. Uh, if you've got him, he's probably worth keeping this round, but with the, I think they're one of the teams with the, yeah, they've got the double buy in 25 and 27. So getting rid of him now may not be the greatest idea, but he's got to go at some point soon. If you've got the transfer, go ahead and get him out. Yeah, it's painful to hear because uh, Glad is actually the highest scoring defender for Real, Real Salt Lake right now, so that's that's rough. But I think you guys have nailed it. Glad did do some double duty with Olave in the middle of the season, but if healthy, I think Olave will probably be the one that they go to with a chance that this round we may see a rotation just to help maybe ease Olave back in to not give him so much playtime just back because he's only played uh, 10 games maybe this season for Real Salt Lake. So um, it's rough. Another one of our budget midfielders down the drain potentially. And, and it'd, be, it'd be rough for Glad if he gets the start in the Toronto match but not the home match against Chicago because that's the one you <laughs> yeah. really want to defend her for. So, you know, I mean, if, if you're risking the rotation, and even if Glad starts that first game, you, you, I mean, you're probably going to play him if you have him, but as far as bringing him in, you might not want to. Cause... But you have to wonder, though, are you going to start him? Is, is Toronto's surface artificial? No, Toronto's is Toronto's grass. Okay, so that's, I know sometimes Olave has some of those concerns, but it, it would almost seem to me that Olave is the bigger name, the bigger draw, and that that's the one the home fans are going to want to see. So that might be a rough time. So giant question mark for Glad. The only good thing I think we could say is that if he does end up sitting both of these games, then he could maybe come and turn into a switcheroo for some people in the future. He's, a, he's still in that four-point-something range, so he's not a, a bad fifth sixth defender to have. But we did talk about budgets, so guys, going forward, what would you say is now your ideal budget defense, or are you so rich that you're starting to move away from budget defense? Um, I'll start this one. Uh, Stairs has to be your number one budget defense guy. Uh, LA doesn't have a buy until 32. Um, he's a set-and-forget type of guy. Um, Campbell surprisingly didn't start but he's one I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sell on right now if he continues to not start it may be troublesome as a budget guy so as you're getting into the budget you got to start looking at some of these other teams possibly or, uh, let's see Philadelphia and New England neither one of them have buys Rosenberry and Woodbury are both cheap and putting up halfway decent numbers not guys I would count on week in and week out but if you're coming through these multiple bye weeks you don't want to be swapping defenders every week or every other week just to field a full 11. If you've got to trade out, get one of these guys and just leave them there. Um, Moore is tempting with the numbers he's putting up if you want to go rich, but they've got a buy coming up at 27, I believe. Or are they 25? They're 27. Yeah, they're 27. So you'd have him for a few weeks. But Kemp, go really expensive here for a defender. Kemp has been putting up solid numbers with DC. Uh, no buys. Another one of those you can just, if you've got the money, I'm really thinking about doing it. Just set him and forget him and get somebody who's going to get you just a few more points. And he is 7.9. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think Blaine nails it on the head when he talks about um, Steris and Campbell. You know, there's only six teams that don't have a buy in either 25 and 27. So you kind of have to have a core of those players if you're going to get through them without using your wild card. And most of those teams are not great defensive teams. You've got Chicago, Columbus, DC United, New England, Philadelphia, and the Galaxy. So as far as like budget options from them, Starez and Campbell are at the top of your list. Um, now, for the rest of your budget defense, you can probably have you know, a rotation of the guys that we've talked about, you know, Holberry, who has a, a buy in 25, and then, you know, maybe a Moore, who has a buy in 27, if you want to have one pricey defender. I think you probably have to have one more expensive defender just to kind of have someone who is going to make sure that he's getting you points. Um, 
if you don't like more, uh, Zimmerman after the bye uh, in 25. But, you know, you're going to have to kind of do some rotating. You're not going to be able to have someone who doesn't have, not going to have a whole back line of people who don't have a bye in either 25 or 27. I don't think. Um, I guess maybe if you did Kemp, you probably could. But, um, yeah, so I think you you have an anchor of Sterez and Campbell and just kind of fill out as far as who you're rotating with in 25 and 27 and just kind of go from there. I think you guys have honed in on the budget people that are remaining pretty well. Personally, I think that with the money that's floating around now from the teams that have been here for a while active, I think you can afford to go a little more expensive. We can break out of that mid-four, low to mid-five range and start getting into some of the sixes. Uh, you can bring in some guys. I actually didn't have Campbell. I've gone with Ramos. So similar points there, a little bit more expensive, uh, but he's been playing when, when Campbell's not at times. So something like that. Uh, of course, if you're just now getting someone like Axel, you're going to be paying that, that low six anyway. But you have a few more options there in that low six range. But like I mentioned earlier in the show, I was a point two off from being able to get Molino in and, and maybe swap Benny for that one or to swap, sorry, um, uh, Madranda for, for him, and that did prevent me from doing that. So you want to find that balance, but I, I think you're not crazy if you want to start pushing a little bit more money. I don't think 7.9 is a defense that's going to be on my radar anytime soon. <laughs> I'm not I'm not rolling a dough like Blaine must be, but uh, I, I think you could splurge a little bit more than maybe we have been, especially, as Mike said, with, with just the six teams coming up. Yeah, I mean, all the guys who have been budget... Um, if they're staying budgeted, it's because they're having trouble with playing time. So you kind of the, the options for getting a full back line of just cheap budget guys are kind of dwindling. Uh, I think you're I think you're right, Reed. I think you have to have a little bit of a splurge at like a six point something um, for their last guy. It is reasonable. So yeah, but who are you going to go with this week, guys, for keepers and defenders? Uh, I'm going to go with um, I don't know if it's Bono or Bono for um, Toronto in uh, goal, and then um, Holberry, Sterez, and um, I think I'm going to pick up Moore or someone else from Toronto, probably Drew Moore, but those would be my picks, Sterez, Holberry, and uh, Moore. I'm staying put with most of my core. Um, uh, Rowe and Sterez are your two L.A. guys. They're playing every game from here on out. May have to make one transfer, but Hoberry's staying, Campbell's in. Got glad. I think I might just stay put with this. But again, if I'm start as I start to look to make transfers, possibly Rosenberry or Woodbury coming in, depending on the matchups. I don't think it's going to be this week. I think this week you just kind of stay put with who you've got. The Berries. <laughs> very nice, very nice. Moving on to midfielders. Had some good questions here. I like midfielder questions because I just like the points potential of the midfielder position. The obvious one, right off the top, which double game week midfielders should people have from RSL in Toronto? Or should they have any? I think you can get away with not having any. Like I, I, I looked at this this afternoon, and I only came up with Endo or Javier Morales as the two players... I mean, Toronto's midfield is kind of bereft of fantasy options unless you just want to go super cheap with Endo at 5.2. But, I mean, his production hasn't been really that consistent. So, I mean, it's really just for the double game week. I wouldn't want to keep him any time after this. Um, Javier Morales is interesting. He's been doing better as of late, but he hasn't been to that normal Javier Morales, uh, dependable 7-9 and nine points that we, we got used to. Uh, in past years, but I mean he scored last game, and I really like the matchup uh, at home at against Colorado. Excuse me, against Chicago, because Chicago has an Open Cup match the next week, so that's a game that I'm expecting Chicago to rotate a lot of their good players out to rest up, since the Open Cup's the only chance they have at silverware. So, I think if you're going to go with anyone, I would go with Javier Morales to try to take advantage of the matchup against Chicago. But I don't think you're crazy if you just skip out uh, of the midfield of this uh, double game week. Yeah, I agree with that last statement. The This double game week is not the greatest. 
Um, RSL's got two buys coming up. Unless you've just got the extra transfers to waste, anybody you pick up is probably going to result in a minus four in one of those two rounds, and I don't think anybody is going to cover the spread on that. Um, if you look at the ownership percentages uh, of the playing midfielders in RSL, you've got 3.5% owned on Morales. The cost is up at 6.5, but he doesn't play. And then same way when you get to Toronto. Um, Bradley's got 4.6 owned, but he's injured. Your next one is Endo at 2.5. If you skip out and one of those guys really does go off, only a few people have them. It's not like you're going to get burned by not having one of these guys, and you're going to save yourself the four-point transfer on the back end. So yeah. my suggestion is just ignore it. And that's where I fall. I, I don't know. Even though Indo is a very tempting pick at just 5.2, 5.5, yeah, he's 5.2. very cheap. He's been getting some play time. Uh, the one thing I can say about Indo is... I've been impressed with what he's been able to help out with Toronto this year um, when he has come in. So I'm I'm hoping that they keep him, and I'm hoping that he stays in the league. And I think he'll be fun to watch uh, in the in the coming years. So great for him, but uh, not tempting for me. Maybe JMO if I went with somebody, I, I can maybe go with with a Giralis, uh, but I don't know. Some of that would depend on on who's healthy on their forward side. If you've been not been paying attention to what's been going on, we've been having some transfers in the league. Uh, several new players have come in and out with a few teams. Some people have been traded. Uh, my favorite story of, of the season is people who were traded and refusing to play Espindola in Vancouver. Uh, but uh, perhaps Seattle has maybe found their their solution. They're bringing a new attacking midfielder. I I am going to butcher his name if I even try. Would one of you guys like to assist me here? Um, Simon Borg already mentioned him in instant replay, and he said Ladero. Okay, Ladero. That's what Twalman said too. So. Okay, we're gonna go with Ladero. He's 11.5. People want to know: Is this a fair price, and should they bring him in? I wouldn't bring him in. It may be a fair price for him. Um, I don't know who he is as well. I mean, I'm not even sure, quite sure where he came from. But I eleven point from Boca Juniors, if if I'm remembering right. Okay. Because um, I think he paid, played in the. And I'm gonna butcher this name. The Copa Libertadores. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> way to pronounce it. But so I mean, he has credentials, but. He has uh, 30 apps with Boca Juniors from 15 to 16, and he's gotten six goals from that time. Um, and he's currently on Uruguay's national team. Okay, so knowing that, 11.5 is probably too high for him. He's a solid 10, uh, 10 million player with those stats and where he comes from. Um, definitely, he's tempting, but Seattle's offense is just dead right now. And the whole team's in flux. Siggy Schmidt's out. I'm not putting any more money into Seattle than I have to. Alonzo's probably the only player I would pick up from the Sounders at this point. Ladero does require some respect in fantasy. Um, he could really impact Seattle, which does a number on opposing defenses. That's the takeaway I would make with this uh, league signing. Just He could give Seattle that extra layer of attack they need you break out of this cycle, but he's not worth bringing in until you see it. Yeah, and I mean, I, I know he had a good game um, on Sunday, and so a lot of people are excited. Uh, he generated a number of chances. I, I think I saw someone post that they think he would have gotten eight points uh, had he been in the fantasy game uh, by Sunday. Which is kind of weird. Uh, nine is what I, I saw. I, I don't know about the crossing numbers that that were shown, but um, someone uh, from, from Twitter was using the, the numbers from whoscored.com, and so I'm not sure how they, they... They probably use Opta, but I'm not sure how some of that stuff was was judged, if it was an MLS game or something like our crosses are being received by your player within the penalty box. So six to seven, maybe nine at the most is what some people are maybe guessing for this past round. Yeah, so I mean, he had a pretty good, especially because he didn't get an assist, and so a lot of people were arguing, look, he didn't get, he got this against LA, but didn't even get an assist or a goal. Obviously, he's fantasy gold, and the problem is, 
to me at 11.5, that's the third most expensive midfielder in the game. I think he's behind um, Sasha Kleshin and Apiati, uh, um, Lee Wynn. That means he's more expensive than Diaz, more expensive than Valeri, more expensive than Piatti. And to me, he's had one game and he did well at home, but how is he going to handle the travel? I mean, this week he's got a cross-country trip into the heat of, of Florida. It's, to me, it's not a fair price for anyone coming in midseason to get 11.5 because you don't know how they're going to adjust to the league. Uh, I would have rather seen him at 10 or 10.5. That way he would have been an interesting kind of differential pick where he could save some money, but you have a little bit of a discount for the risk, even if he is turns out to be really good. So I, I wouldn't pick him up. i kind of wait and see, you know, see how he gels with the teammates. But, yeah, 11.5, to spend that kind of money, I'd rather see um, a history of production, and he just doesn't have that yet. Yeah, I agree. Straight up too expensive. Uh, there's some potential for a bonus point generation right there, but without solid stats, uh, I never like to immediately flock to a newcomer like that at midseason. At the beginning of the season, I'm more willing to because we usually have some preseason games to at least turn to with time for them to gel with their team as well. But midseason, uh, not something that I prefer to, to mess with like that. But good luck to him. Uh, Seattle definitely does need some help at this point. So let's just go right to our the picks. Who you guys like for midfielders for this round? I mean, same old standbys. Uh, Piatti and Valeri are still two of your best uh, point scorers in the, in the game in midfield. I think you've got to stick with those guys. Um, a lot of people... Like Piatti more without Drogba? That's still a toss-up. Potentially, yes, but that team's got a lot of new faces in it, too, which can really upset the chemistry. Um, Piatti's usually good for three or four, and on a good game, a good week, he'll put up he'll put up close to ten. So those two, and then depending on who you've got already and how you're filling out is where it gets interesting. I know a lot of people are running Diaz, and he's on a buy, so that money can be used elsewhere. Um Hate to hate to recommend the two guys coming off of hot weeks, but Molino and Lampard have both looked good consistently throughout the season. Go a little deeper, um, Pontius and Alberg don't have those buys. Alberg's on PKs, always worth that he seems to be getting quite a few of those right now. Pontius is usually putting up pretty good points at a decent price. But I think my sleeper and the one I'm leaning towards this week is Alernowitz. He's Really? He's, he seems to have locked down that midfield role with L.A., and they don't have the buys, but it, in all the games he's gone 90 minutes this year, uh, he's put a, he's averaging, I think, 5.4 points a game in his 90-minute starts, and he got four this last week in seven in 70 minutes. Uh, let me pull up his stats really quick. Or let me pull up. Yeah, he's at 7.2 right now. Yeah, he had a 10-point game at, at one point a few weeks ago. Yeah, I mean... He's not scorching the scoreboard, but for 7.2 and no buys, uh, as a starter, his lowest game, I guess I wouldn't say as a starter, but going 90 minutes, uh, lowest game is four points. He's got that one where he played 61 minutes, three points. That was a home match against Kansas, or that was, yeah, home match against Kansas City. Yeah, that's probably his lowest point scoring start, and he only went 61 minutes. Nice, I like that. Mike, who do you like? Kind of the, the standbys of Valeri um, has home match, so I think you have to have Valeri in a home game. Uh, I'm going to go with a different L.A. midfielder, uh, Steven Gerrard. Uh, he's healthy, played again. Uh, he's just been consistent, so I, I might use him as a replacement for Sasha Kleshin since Sasha's going to L.A. maybe on a short week if he plays in the CCL match. Then I'm, I, I might um, make Jason happy and bring in Joralis and then round off with uh, Molino at home against Seattle. And um, on, on Lampard, I do want to bring up something. Patrick Vieira did say this week, yeah, I think I need to do some more rotation with my guys uh, to kind of <laughs> keep healthy with all the travel. So you might want to be careful if you're bringing in uh, Frank Lampard because that is a cross-country game at San Jose, and that's exactly the type of games that man MLS managers seem to like to rotate all the good players out of. So... <laughs> So, Hashtag because MLS. Because MLS. Exactly. Forwards. 
Um, I pitched this question to Mike a little early, and I think it would be fun to talk about because I did find myself thinking this during that game. So, fellas, do you think New York City FC becomes more of a threat without Via by forcing their opponents to then respect the abilities that the other players bring to the field? Kick us off, Mike. So, I I don't think that New York City's more of a threat without Via. I, I think you were right in the beginning of the year because in the beginning of the year, Dollar to Via was getting all of these bonus points for shots because pretty much New York City was building slowly out of the back. They would kick the ball around and then kick the ball to Dollar to Via and hope Dollar to Via would do Dollar to Via things and score a goal. <laughs> uh, so I mean, he was—that's why he was generating so many bonus points and so many shots. Now it's not. New York City's offense wasn't dynamic against Colorado because Dawid is out. New York City's offense was dynamic because they have Jack Harrison. And just the speed that he provides on the wing and the technical abilities, plus you add in Frank Lampard who has the knack for getting in a position, even though his goals have been ugly, he's been in, he's been in exactly the right spots. And so I, I think now you have a much more dynamic offense that isn't relying upon Dawid Villa, so that even with Dawid Villa out, you can generate chances, and that's not something that was going to happen. I mean, I remember last year when Dawid Villa was hurt for like a month or two, and there was absolutely nothing going on for New York City. It was just a total disaster. Now they have a, a functional offense, and it's a lot of fun to watch. Now, you say Harrison, but I'm going to throw Tommy McNamara <laughs> at you, the new assist leader for New York City FC with nine, and darn near almost made it ten during that game. Yeah, I mean, Tommy McNamara, he just always just does what he's supposed to do. I mean, he's a hardworking guy. He doesn't get a whole lot of credit. Put up a good fight against Tim Howard, didn't get pushed around, um, which was a fun moment for the game. But, um, yeah, I, mean, I think I think uh, the, the the line for me that the announcer said from from yes whatever it was was yes you can pay and come to the game and get your chance to boo Tim Howard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a testament to how much Tommy McNamara is loved that the second Timmy Howard pushes him, the booze rain down on Timmy Howard. Um, yeah, I mean Tommy McNamara is a really smart player. He he'll he he'll be able to find where the open spaces, and get the ball to a Lampard. And before, Tommy McNamara pretty much had to hope that David Villa was somehow unmarked. Now you have more options for a guy like Tommy McNamara to pick out a Lampard or Harrison or, or Villa. And so there's a lot more space now, and you know, you're going to see those guys continue to rack up uh, offensive numbers. Uh, as, as far as fantasy goes, it's kind of hard to go all in just because New York City's schedule is so bad right now. Uh, they have a bye in 25, and before that, they have two road trips that we talked about at San Jose. Uh, at Columbus isn't that bad, but then home uh, against Los Angeles and then at Orlando. Then they have a whole bunch of home games. You might want to pick them up. Yeah, they're, they're a lot of fun to watch, and I wouldn't want to start a whole lot of defenders against them. Yeah, I'll pick up on the Tommy McNamara hype. Back when I was a fantasy novice, I grabbed him when he was at Chivas, and he was kind of fantasy gold for the for the price. And when they transferred to New York City, it just seemed to fit. And this year, he's really showing you what he can do. And, Mike, I love what you say. He's one of the smart players on the ball. I think that's one of the big things New York City has going for him this year, and especially now, is just the amount of experience and the soccer IQ that they can field all at once. Even without Via, you've still got guys who have played for a long time in Lampard and Pirlo, and you add some young guys like Harrison and McNamara, and even Taylor and Shelton when they're healthy. But you add those guys in, and this is a team that just really knows how to work together and has a couple really good playmakers that can find guys even when they're not where they're supposed to be. Yeah, I think I liked it best said about Tommy McNamara by, again, the announcers during that game where they said that he is home. He's finally found some place where he's gelled and he's appreciated. And i got to say, we talked about him, but we did not mention that he has a pretty vicious shot from outside the box, too. So, Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was one that he let off during that game. I mean, they showed the replays during the lightning delay, and they he had one during that game. That was just inches. So uh, he's good. My, my downside for him from the fantasy point of view is that uh, he really is only getting decent points when he is getting those goals or assists. Otherwise, he's kind of just languishing in that 
one to three point area sometimes. He's also not a guy who consistently goes 90 minutes. Would like to see that change, uh, but I, I don't know what it is with, with all of that talent that New York City has and the preference to rotation, as you just mentioned, Mike. So he's 7.1, find the right match. Maybe you can get some gold from him, but I, I'm not sure if he's someone that even with these bright sp spots is necessarily going to make that fantasy rotation, but um, I will also say, I mentioned to Mike earlier as well, I, I think the obvious answer to this question is New York is better with Villa because he provides them yet another opportunity to score. It's, I think he's the highest scoring most goals right now, right now, Golden Boot with, with the league, uh, but I, I think what Mike and I were also talking about is New York coming into that next level of being able to jive more as a team and not just rely on Via is is the the goal. And I don't know if it's going to really click this year, but I think next year that could be a really nice point for them if they can keep some of that talent around. Yeah, and I think most of their talent is sawing through next year, so hopefully they'll be able to bring a lot of the same players back Although they'll be a year older, and with Lampard and Pirlo, you don't know how much longer they'll last. As long as Lampard's feet are okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it was his ankle that kept him out most of the season? God only knows. <laughs> because yeah. uh, the last two questions that we have, one in this forward section and then one coming up, uh, both come from leagues that Blaine has in on his own. So, Blaine, I'll let you introduce this next question and answer it. So this one comes from my Cascadia League I play in. Don't know how an SKC fan got invited to that league, but I'm playing in it and having fun. One of the ladies up there asked, what's the best research stat for transfers, and what do we use to decide a lot of our transfers? Yeah, I feel like that's a, a pretty basic question that, that a lot of people who like the show uh, have asked at one point or have started with if they're just getting into it, uh, since we do like the stats and everything. Uh, the easy answer for me is actually the hardest statistic to find if, if you are a player, and that's points per 90. Uh, MLS does not track that, or Opta does not track it itself. They like the points per game. Um, but I think a lot of us around here like points per 90 as a go-to because it helps normalize the performance for players. Uh, you do have to bring your brain to it when you're looking at this guy like, oh, it's amazing, he's getting eight points per game. He's, he's played one game and got eight points. Okay, let's just knock him out of there. So you, you have to balance points per game with actual minutes played. So I, I think those are two good to start from, and there'll probably be an article coming up at MLS Fantasy Boss soon with uh, the latest uh, refresh update of where players currently stand with points per 90. Yeah, I, I, the, mo the stat I, I look for probably is most is bonus points, because um, if they're generating bonus points, even if they're not getting a goal or assist, that means they're getting involved, and so they're always going to be a consistent producer. You know, guys like Valeri um, this week who didn't get an assist or anything but still generated like five points, I think. Um, so I have to usually start with bonus points. Then I kind of look at the last, maybe like the four matches to kind of see how they've been doing this consistently. Um, if you want to go into more advanced stat research, I, I like to look at expected goals. Um, that can kind of help you look through the noise to see is this player who's scoring a whole bunch of goals, is he going to keep scoring a whole bunch of goals, or is this just a mirage? Um, so that that's usually where I start. Of course, after making sure that um, they play 90 minutes. That's <laughs> If they're not playing 90 minutes, I usually cross them off, you know, regardless. But Yeah, I use a combination of those two. I like the points per 90 and the bonus points model. I really think you look at the last four or five games that are longer if they've been starting regularly. And you kind of take a combination of that along with team form. And you just pick the guys that are going to have the good matchups coming up that are constantly putting up bonus points or constantly getting good points. You don't want one of those guys may have a really good points per 90, but he's got a lot of those two-point games in there and just offsetting them with really big games because you can get them on that down week. So you're just kind of looking for that average steady point score when you're doing your transfers. Great. Yeah, great question. Uh, unfortunately, I think uh, both Mike and I mentioned, mentioned stats that uh, aren't normally tracked, points per 90 and bonus points. So, uh, come on, Ben Bear, let's do this. Get some get some of that stuff out there. Uh, but yeah, great question. I, I, I always like hearing that uh, because I, I think it's always worth revisiting throughout, throughout the year. But guys, forwards, who are you going with for this round? Well, I, I'm going to surprise everyone with a player. His name is Giovinco. 
Uh, yeah, nothing special this week. Uh, Giovinco, uh, Laren, and Keen, um, they're all at home. They all, I think they'll all have pretty good matchups. So. Yeah, um, Giovinco and I like Keen. Uh, he's been with my team since the wild, this last wild card. Uh, those are the two guys I kind of pick just to set them and leave them. Um, I really don't think running a third forward this week is going to be ideal. I think your better options are in the midfield. So I'm just going uh, Giovinco and Keen this week. Oh, very nice. So no one is tempted by uh, Mr. Martinez if he comes back? Burrito. No, because I don't know if he's going to play the whole time. You know, I think he'll probably just kind of rotate in and out, um, even if he does come back. Fair That's enough. Double buy. I just can't waste the transfer on an RSL forward. <laughs> Ouch. I, well, it's going to be a minus four on the back end for me if I do. I can't stress that enough. That don't take the minus fours just to get a double game week player who may not perform. Yeah, and Plata, I mean, even though he scored last week, he hasn't been doing it at a consistently high level to make it worth the, the negative four. So, I mean, I understand if you have a free transfer hanging around and you're not going to take a negative four, kind of taking a punt on him. But otherwise, I just don't like the matchups well enough to, to go with, with Plata. Very good. Now what about captains and must-have players? Giovinco is your must-have and your captain this round. Uh, two games uh, with the points he can put up. I mean, one game's probably enough to be the best captain this round. He's got two chances at it. Beyond that, uh, for must-haves, uh, Valeri, uh, Piotti, and then uh, Stairs and Row, and that's just all looking at schedule on those last three. Piotti, Stairs and Row don't have those buys coming through, so they're worth having and keeping. Yeah, I, I think the, the only must-have, at least for this week, is Giovinco, and, and he's going to be your captain. Um, I mean, you could have some Toronto defenders, but I don't think you, you'd be amiss if you didn't have them. Um, so, yeah, I think your must-have is Giovinco, and you know you can complement it with other uh, DGW players if you want, but otherwise just start planning for 25, like Blaine said, and you know try to make sure that your transfers are all in line. So you don't take negative fours to try to field a team for uh, another midweek double game week, or just a midweek massive bye week, excuse me. And finally, I said that there was two questions from Blaine, so Blaine, here, what is the second question that you had? So my other qu the other question I got tonight came from my Kansas City League, a head-to-head league, by the current, I think, number 37 overall, uh, Tijuana Donkeys FC, who is not first place in our league, surprisingly. Uh, he asked... Uh, where league. Go? Yeah. Uh, should I sit my stars if they're playing against KC in KC? And he cites the performances of Valeri, Gio, Giovinco, Villa, and Keane in Kansas City, and the Kansas City defense has shut down those guys in KC. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's uh, in some sense, I find that kind of a random question. Um, very, very appropriate. I, I can only guess from from a sporting Kansas City league. Um, well, you know, as as far as their defense goes, this is when at home, sporting Kansas City's not. The best, I guess they're in the bottom third. They're a little bit worse than one goal per game, so uh, it's kind of a shocker to me, really, that that uh, some of those big names haven't been able to do better with them. So I I, I don't know. Maybe it's just some some luck, um, or if they did or didn't have Quello at the time. Um, yeah, a lot know. of those matches were in the beginning of the season when Sporting Kansas City's defense was on fire. Since then, they haven't been as great. I mean, they got um, New York City on a, a short week, and, and then Portland was really banged up this week. So now, honestly, looking at their schedule, they don't have a whole lot of more stars who are coming into Children's Mercy Park. But if they're a star, I'm starting them regardless, even if they have a uh, away match. So I think you're fine to keep them even if they play a Sporting Kansas City away game. I mean, really, the only away games that I'm really concerned about are at Colorado and at Los Angeles. Those are the games that I'm, I'm thinking my player is going to get shut down, even if he's really good. I won't give my thoughts on it too much because I am a sporting Kansas City fan, <laughs> but I know I know where I know where this question is coming from, and Kansas City has shut down Giovinco the last two seasons in KC. Vermes has a 
has a knack for getting his team to shut down the big names. They still get burned by the other players at times, but they have a they have a tendency to neutralize the stars for the other team. I mean, given this week, Valeri kind of absent with I know he had four points, but that's still not a great week for Valeri. So that's where this question's coming from. That is true. And Mr. Guy Sanchez, when asked on Twitter, did say he felt that if you needed to bench some big-name person, that Valeri was one of your options to do that this time. So um, good call, Guy. Good call must have been tough. That's all we have for questions. I hope you guys appreciated the answers and some of the insights, uh, some good questions as always. Please remember the post goes up usually late Sunday or early Monday at r slash MLS to collect questions. If you have any, feel free to let us know, and we will try to answer as many of them as we can. Uh, now we're moving on to our community time, and as always, we'd like to start out with the highest score from the r slash fantasy MLS league, and uh, this week I really love the name. Uh, it came from uh, Brian James, who is the manager of Questionable Morales, and I uh, like that. He had 110 points, which was just three points shy of the highest score, so well done, man. That is a great, great one. He actually loaded up heavy with Toronto, so we had uh, Bono and Moore and Betashore all in the back, and then GOS as captain, and he did have Molino as well right there. Also got lucky with some Zimmerman points. Uh, Plata and Diaz were some of his next highest scores there, so well played. Well played. Nice, nice score. And now what, uh, unfortunately, is probably not going to be as fun this, this week. We have the MLS Fantasy Insider Head-to-Head League results, and uh, at least for me, the biggest game this time was my own game versus Mr. Jason Wiskovich this time, and we drew 72-72. to He sent me a text and said, oh, if he hadn't have manually put in Campbell, then he would have gotten some more points and beat me, and all I say to that in the spirit of fantasy football 24-7 is, QQ, Jason, do better next time. Just don't play me again. Uh, but so we, we ended up drawing right there. Uh, Mr. Guy Sanchez took on Fantasy Football 24-7, and they got 93 points. He only got 73 points. That's pretty bad right there, Mr. Sanchez. Perhaps he threw the game, though, for his other writing gig. I don't know. He's not here. He'll just hear about this later and then maybe send me a tweet. But that's about it. Until then, we'll just assume that's what happened. Uh, but Fantasy Football 24-7, they're doing so well in our league this year, and I did some Brit lingo on Twitter just a few minutes ago, and Mito sent me a message wondering what was going on, and I just let him know that I am preparing for the inevitable takeover of the British invasion in our league. So, cheerio. Mito is not British, though, so that's what makes it even more funny. Uh, moving on, Mike, this one's all you. Yeah, um, it, it, it was kind of like the NHL. The American beat the Canadian. I beat Old Goaler. And, <laughs> um, yeah, I won. It was close, nine he, points. Yeah, he, he, took, he, took, he took a hit, and I think that was the big difference. Otherwise, I think he would have had me, but he took a negative eight to bring in some Colorado players, I think. And then, ouch. <laughs> I think he brought in Harrison and Howard. I think I just misspoke. Uh, I, th- I think I said Fantasy Football 24-7 had the highest score, but it was actually to our good friend Andrew, who went up against Travis this round, our two stats guys. And Travis sent me a message saying, I got 82 points. It was an awesome score. I was so excited until I saw Andrew, who got 100 <laughs> points. So well done. Uh, Andrew actually just got a new job, and he is moving. So congrats to Andrew. That's some great stuff. Life milestones, hashtag adulting. Uh, as for more updates, Ivan the Terrible from Fantasy Football First went up against our own Mr. Simon Thwaites uh, and got Simon got beat, not not Ivan. Uh, 77-62, and Simon has dropped down into double-digit scores uh, for one of the first times in a long time. I think he's 11th now, so a disappointing showing for Sir Meowly. That's what he gets for planning trips instead of planning fantasy football. And then finally, we have my buddy Steve up against Ben Bear, and as anticipated, Ben, congrats on your win. You beat the taco. Next round, big game. I am going up against Fantasy Football 24-7, and I shall do my best to make it a competitive one. Jason is going up against Mike. That will be fun. Get some get some Twitter trash talk going there and your gifs going. Uh, Travis is going up against Guy. Ivan the Terrible is going up against Older Goler. My buddy Steve is taking on Andrew. Congrats on your win. And Ben Bear is going up against Simon. So I hope you are setting your team while you are traveling the world, Simon, because... 
Otherwise, you're going to get beat. That is all that we have for the show today. Guys, do you have any plugs you want to give out before we close out the show? Um, we'll, we'll plug it again at MLS Injury News. Follow me. Tweet at me if you see an injury or see one of your beat writers for your team. Or if you know of a good beat writer, um, tweet me the link because I can always use more people who are actually at the training and can give us updates that, that I can pass on to the community. So, yeah, follow me there. And uh, usually every week I have an article at Hudson River Blue. I haven't had it the past two weeks, but I will have one this week. So check it out. I usually tweet out the link and post it on Reddit. So check it out. Yeah, I've always got to plug my other writing gig. Uh, Last Word on Sports was gracious enough to take me in this year. Um, haven't been able to do a whole lot with them with the crazy summer, getting married, moving, honeymoon, all of that. But they've got a lot of good news coming out over there all the time. They usually try to post the breaking news from the teams and the press releases as soon as they get them. So just check out Last Word on Sports, and they've got their own Twitter going too. I can't remember the handle right off the top of my head. All right, and as always for myself, uh, please check out MLSFantasyBoss.com where we have all kinds of great writers. Many of them are part of this show, coming out with content throughout the week. Uh, and also check out the articles that Travis and I tend to post up over at MLS Fantasy for in the advice section as part of the Fantasy Experts crew. And be sure to uh, ask some questions on Twitter. Uh, Travis doesn't do this a lot, but every now and then Jason and I uh, try our hand at the Fantasy Twitter account, and uh, other guys participate in that as well. So lots of good interaction and fantasy knowledge coming at you from all different angles if you're willing to go out there and take a little look. So thank you again so much to everyone who listens to our show, who contributes to our show, and who just shares it along and gives us likes and hearts on Twitter. We, we appreciate you so much. Thank you, and good luck. <laughs>